This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real-life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey, everyone. It's Ashley Taylor, and I'm excited to introduce you to this week's Clubhouse edition of the podcast. This week, Kevin and I spoke with Joshua Simmons. His studio is named Fine Art Portraits, and interestingly enough, we had a deep conversation all about fine art portraiture. We discussed how he defines a fine art portrait, his process to create fine art portraits, and how he sees the role of art and artists in our society. This really ended up being a rich and more philosophical conversation than we typically have on this show, which made it so fun and interesting. I'm excited for you to hear it. So let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to the Portrait System Podcast Clubhouse Edition. My name is Kevin Conde, and I'm here with my co-host, Ashley Taylor. If you are not familiar with the Portrait System, we are a portrait photography podcast that is powered by Sue Bryce. Nikki Klosser hosts our Monday episodes, and Ashley and I co-host our Clubhouse edition, which is live here on the Clubhouse app every Friday at noon Pacific. And then our episodes are released on Thursdays. You can tune in on your favorite podcast app by searching for The Portrait System. Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm good, Kevin. And I just wanted to say happy birthday, even though your birthday was yesterday, but I feel like the oh. listeners should know. <laughs> so happy birthday to Kevin. <laughs> Thank I you very much. Everyone. I'll spare everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I am also very excited to welcome our guest, Joshua Sims, today. So welcome, Joshua. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So Ashley and I got the opportunity to talk to you at WPPI this year for a brief moment and learn a little bit about your fine artwork as well as your involvement uh, with fine art backdrops. And we thought it would be a, you'd be a fantastic person to have on to learn about your process in photography, as well as what goes into helping run a custom canvas backdrop business. So absolutely. So to start us off, um, your business, your photography business is 
uh, fine art portraits. Um, yes. But how do you actually define the uh, what fine art portrait is? Uh, what in the experience that you give your client is it the experience that you give your clients, the lighting retouching uh, that makes it fine art? So that's an incredible question. And my definition really, it took time to really build and, and to evolve uh, into what it is today. And ultimately, what it comes down to for me is telling a story. And that for me is the heart of what constitutes fine art. So whether or not I'm working with a client or I'm working with a model for a personal project, I'm, I really want to sit down with this individual, especially if it's a client, get to know this person on a very deep level as to who they are, why they are the way they are, what makes them tick, how they think, and to try to find the best possible way to tell their story, utilizing everything at my disposal from the lights, the shadows, color, and everything in between. I love that answer. Um, I'm wondering, when are you learning everything about the client? Is this in a consultation or is it during the shoot in the process of creating the images that you're just getting to know them better and making decisions sort of on the fly? Like how much of this is planned out ahead? Everything is, it has to be planned out ahead. So, so I'm a, my process, uh, it requires that it be very slow and methodical. Uh, I, I prefer that I'm not working in a very quick manner. It's very uh, well thought out. The planning is what really uh, makes everything go forward. It's 90% planning and 10% execution from that point on. And so I'm, you know, I'm trying to plan these out well in advance. We're talking probably months. I, I'm not someone who is probably going to shoot and have 20 or 30 images to show somebody. At max, I'm looking at 10. 10 oh, wow. of, of oh. the very best possible images. And so and each individual image has to be able to stand on its own, yet at the same time be included to tell a bigger story. And so I'm, you know, this is for that consultation, and I'm going to sit and speak with this individual. We're going to talk and go over all of these these little details the you know uh the more detailed the better so that i can go back to the drawing board plan everything out think through my concepts what is my what do i want my light to look like what color do i want to use that's going to help tell this story a little better and so all of those little details become necessary and it's why the process can't be uh rushed and how involved is the client in all of this? I mean, it's a, by sound, as you said, it's a long process. Um, are they telling you, Hey, I, uh, are they helping build ideas for the set? Are they, how, what are they getting uh, to be involved in? Or is this all they're you? They're they're No, no. They're so they're as involved as, you know, as we can make that happen over that course of, of time. And so, um, I'm going to come up with my concepts, what I'm thinking, this you know, the direction that it should go, share that with the individual, get their feedback, and then I'm going to go back to the drawing board and, and rework it. I mean, this is a, it is a process in and of itself just to get to the point where we can get to the shoot day. And, but this is how I plan, this is how I'm going to be working going forward. As I've just, I've only recently uh, retired, you know, from the military and I haven't really shot 
anything uh, for a very long time. And so this is uh, what this process will look like for me going forward. I'm wondering if your military background like plays into this methodical nature of like your process because, well, I, I've never served in the military, so I don't know what it's like, but I've, I've known service people who are very disciplined, very methodical. Do you feel like that has influenced you at all, like your background? I would, I would say that it's, it does play a hand and sometimes probably subconsciously, I wouldn't even be able to, uh, you know, pinpoint in certain areas where it has, uh, but also where it primarily comes from is my art, is the artistic influence that I, that I draw from, which is some of the most, some of the classical painters that whose work I follow and love and, you know, have, you know, all over my computer that I'm, and I'm constantly thinking through what their process could have been, what it was when you read about them and the time that it necessarily took because of how long it would take to paint something or how long it would take to sculpt someone. It was a long process. And with that, what what comes from that is a work that can stand the test of time. Yeah, I love that. I, I was a big art history nerd in high school and college especially. And I remember like, you know, someone would have to sit for a portrait, not just like one time, like they come back multiple times and models don't just, you know, it's not this quick thing. So do you feel like in that way, like having those touch points with your client over a period of time will like get you closer to that sort of classical experience for people? Absolutely. And that's, and that's the end goal, you know, for me. And I've, I've, I find it easy to just sit with somebody and to find out about who they are. I, I, it's, I can, it's just something that I'm, I've always been able to do. I sit down with somebody, have a conversation. And before you know it, we're talking about very personal things. Mm -hmm. And so if you're coming to me for a portrait session, my, you know, I'm already expecting that you will uh, know what you're getting yourself into to an extent. And so you're going to come sit down and we're going to, and we're going to talk. And I want to know those things about you. There's nothing, uh, and I, you know, I'll let people know there's nothing that you could ever say to me that's A, going to shock me or B, make me think any different about you. My goal is to tell your story. My, my, my role as an artist is to preserve a historical record of, of who you are so that it can uh, go past your time in this world. Yeah, I, I love that. And I can attest to like, f for the 15 minutes that I talked to you at WPPI or however long of time it was, I felt like we had this like intense conversation and I was like, oh my gosh, we need to bring you on the podcast because you are just so like just talking to you is such an amazing experience and I think like hearing your wisdom and so I, I can see how a client having a lot of touch points with you and talking to you deeply over a period of time would lend to storytelling and one thing I'm wondering is like so if someone tells you personal things about them or their their life story how does that translate into a fine art image like is it props is it like the things that you're choosing to be in the set or you mentioned color, like what would make you choose like a red for someone versus a blue? Like this is all very abstract in a way. It is. So yeah. How do you think, like if you could explain how you think about that? Well, um, I tend to draw on 
the, you know, the time that I spend, you know, not only looking at art, but reading, especially uh, classical literature. Um, mm. and, it's, and so, and it's, because ultimately there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing that any of us are going through that hasn't already been done in history. We've just found a more technologically advanced way of doing it. So the stories that can be told have been told. So I don't have to reinvent the wheel, but somebody out there has either written about it in such a way that can be brought to bear uh, in, be in between the lines of a frame in a camera. And so when I'm starting to think about these colors, if I'm thinking about something passionate or if I'm thinking about something where I want to portray a more somber uh, mood, that thematic element is going to you know, lend to a, a particular color palette. And so I can start to work from there. And then that's going to influence um, what type of wardrobe, if any wardrobe at all, uh, the props that are going to be used. And every single detail within the frame has to lend to telling that story. Because if it doesn't, if it doesn't help your composition, it's hurting your composition. And so, yeah, this, and this is why it's such a process because, you know, you got to draw up multiple scenarios and figure out what works and figure out what doesn't. So would you say that as you're creating something and hearing the client's story, you're referencing uh, specific literature in your mind? Like, oh, that reminds me of this, which I can then incorporate that into my artwork here for this client. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also why it's uh, incumbent on, uh, upon me to continue reading and constantly reading to have these ideas ready to go at a moment's notice or perhaps to put a different to put a different spin on it uh, in, a, in a particular way that hasn't been done yet. Even if it's, uh, again, the paintings that, you know, we all know and love. OK, well, you know, drawing that inspiration, but tweaking it a little bit. How can we adjust something here or adjust something there to make it more personal? When you're looking at one of these uh, whether it's a painting or uh, finding in literature, is there a particular part that you're initially looking at? Like, you know what, I, this is where I want to draw my inspiration from to then incorporate it into the work. Or is it just like, you? when it comes to you, that that's it, no starting point. Uh, just let it hit you naturally. See, it's kind of, a, it's, it can be a both and, you know, where I could be, you know, sitting with someone, having a conversation, or I'm just, you know, just sitting at the office and have a thought come to my head about a particular theme that I want to do. And I imagine I've probably seen it somewhere. And so I go searching for it. Um, but also it could be just sitting down with somebody having that conversation. And it's through having that conversation is what, you know, gives fuel to that particular fire. So I did notice that in our text chat in Clubhouse, um, Carmen McDonald is, you know, loving this. And she wanted to ask about the fact that you're only creating 10 images. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, she didn't get too in-depth with what that means. But, like, can you talk about only selling 10 images? Is that because, or showing 10 images? Is that because you're going to do mostly wall art? Is it because it's really all that's feasible to create when you're creating on this high level? How do you imagine pricing something like this out, packaging it out? Yes, no. So yes, it's definitely, it's all wall art. 
every, okay. every, yes, every, every bit of it um, is wall art. And the time that I have to invest not only in um, the pre-planning, but then there's the post-production and the retouching that goes all into it. And so I've, I've tried, you know, doing 20, 30 images at a time and spending four to five hours per image just got exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) Four to five hours as in the retouching time? Yes. Oh, wow. Per image or per... Per image. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, And, but also the other issue for me became where multiple images were very similar to each other. And that just didn't sit well for me. I didn't feel like I was providing you know, the individuals who were working with me, my very best. Uh, and so of whittling it down to no more than 10, but ensuring that each image is a standalone image from, uh, it could be from the posing to the wardrobe, to the setting, the environment, every single image is going to speak to something specific or help move the story along uh, even further. So that's, that's where that, you know, comes from. But then, yes, it would be, uh, all wall art uh, images that I'd be producing. Okay, and Carmen said this is exactly what I was wondering. This is the this is completely the direction I am so curious about and heading for myself. So I'm really glad that we were able to answer her question. Um, and one thought that came to mind for me is: Are these ten images like are they a collection? In the sense that it's one image building off each other. Are you imagining them as like diptychs and triptychs on the wall? How are you thinking about the 10 images as they relate to one another? We'll see that that also, it depends. Everything is context driven. And so it really just depends on who I'm, who I'm working with and who I'm sitting down with and what it is, what kind of story that wants to be told. Because as you know, yes, certain stories are best told with a triptych. And certain stories may only need three images or five. Ten is just is just that that max number. I may we may never even get there, but I'm going to be able to tell your story. You know, in however many images we get, you know, are going to produce up to that number. But like I said, it really just depends on who I'm sitting down with and what direction this story goes. That's going to determine either a the number of images that are going to be produced and how that story is moved. So you had said with 10 images, is this something that clients are aware of and they're going to be purchasing all 10? Do they get presented just the 10? And then they're like, Oh, I want three or four of those. Um, How's that working when it comes to creating those uh, ideas for every single setup? So they're, you're under, they're under, you know, no obligation, obviously, to purchase to purchase anything. Um, but as when it comes to you know that setup and and the production, yeah, I'm going. I'm producing. I'll have ten images that I'm going to think through that I'm going to storyboard uh, to be able to tell you know that that effective story. And then when they come back to see those images, then they'll be able to, you know, decide going forward, you know, how many, you know, which ones do they want to purchase? And it's not a, a one-time, you know, offer. The, the, I will continue to have them at any time if they can come back at a later day and come purchase, you know, more to add to that collection. I'm always going to keep them. I'm always going to have them and they'll be, you know, ready for them at any time. 
And how much of like what you're creating is is affected by like the home? Meaning like, so you're trying to tell the story and that comes first. I totally understand that. But then it's also a business and we still want to like sell art. And so if someone's like, okay, well, I only have X amount of wall space. Like, does that factor into any of the decisions? Or if someone comes to you and is like, okay, so I really want this in my bedroom above my bed and this is the size of the wall. Or do you not ever get that specific with people? I will, I will gladly be that specific. <laughs> um, and, and that, you know, again, to provide that level of customization to someone is something I thoroughly, you know, enjoy. Um, and when it comes to printing out this work, if you just let me know what size do you want, what size do you need? And I will accommodate. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that that just like as photographers is so important, like the more like information, both on that personal level that we can glean from our clients is so key, but then also on the like, I guess, technical level of like, where are you going to put this and how is it going to look in your house? And you know, what maybe are even the colors of the room just so that it matches and fits in its home because it's a piece of art that tells a story, but it's also, a, I don't want to say decor, but it is like a piece of art that lives in an environment. If that exactly. Makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I also um, wanted to shout out Erica Lip in the chat said that Josh is the master at client communication and helping them feel and embrace their own beauty inside and out. So I just wanted to let you know, people are, people are raving about you in the chat here as well. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about having someone be comfortable uh, in your space. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously being nude in front of someone is is a very vulnerable position to be in. Yes. How do you get a client to get comfortable and relax for their photo shoot when they know that, you know, yes, this has been pre-planned and, you know, yes, we've already talked about being nude, but, you know, when time comes, it's a totally different beast. It is. It absolutely is. And uh, there's a, a couple of things. One, as we've already touched upon, that that pre-planning phase and that conversation is key, is, is, is essential. Moreover, I'm never alone. My, my partner in crime, my, my beloved, my bride, who's mm-hmm. down in, in, the, in the audience right now, Ashley, uh, she's always there with me. And whether it be during the consultation or at uh, the shoot itself, because for those who don't know, um, not only if you've ever seen any of my work and you've seen the backdrops, which many people know she's painted, but the hair and makeup, she was also the one behind that as well. So my wife is always there with me. So these individuals who are with me, uh, they're never you know, by themselves with just me. There's always going to be someone there uh, in the room. Next, uh, what I, one thing I did was knowing that I would be asking individuals to be vulnerable in in the most intimate manner. I took it upon myself to create my own images. I have some, I have self-portrait images that are nude images of myself. They're on my website, as a matter of fact, to give people that understanding, say, I know what I'm asking of you. You, you know, I'm not asking you to do something that I myself have never done. So I'm not going to put you in a position uh, in that manner. 
So having that conversation, and then when they're in the when they're in the studio and they're in the shoot, it might take some time. We may not, you know, immediately jump into it. I've had, you know, I've had people in the studio where they had agreed to it beforehand. They get to the studio shoot day, and you know they're they're still nervous, and that's understandable. You know, again, that is a level of intimacy that not everybody kind of just jumps into. And so it just took some time and to have that personal shoot go uh, and just kind of lead into it, kind of warm up to it. And eventually, you know, once people let go and they realize that they are safe in this particular space, that's when everything really kicks off to a new level. So you brought up doing your own self-portraits. Do Mm. you feel that this is... To be able to do fine art, do you feel that it is important for the photographer to go through that experience prior to even offering it to other people? Or is this something that anyone can do that is not necessarily putting yourself in front of that lens in that vulnerable position? I can't speak for other photographers. I will say, though, that for me, it's it is it is a necessity. Be, just from a simple uh, perspective of being empathetic with someone, to and to truly feel and understand that vulnerability, that level of fear or panic or wonder that they're going to experience, not only standing in front of a lens, but also thinking, "Hey, other people might see this," and so I needed to be able to be in that position to only further identify with some of the thoughts that would be going through a person's head when they're standing in front of a lens. Cause it's, as we all know, it's, it can, you can feel vulnerable, fully clothed standing in mm. front of a lens. Now taking your clothes off. Now we're, now we've only multiplied that. And so, um, for me, it was a necessity. When you did your self portraits, um, you've placed them online. How did you feel the moment you hit, publish or send i i felt good because again i I think this has more to do with my love of classic art in general and just having seen the beauty because for me it all comes down to the fact that i hold the human form as the absolute zenith of beauty in this created universe so um Anytime I do see it, whether it be, you know, my, from my own vulnerability or another person's, I, it's a, it's the most beautiful thing to me. I love that, you know, your specialty is fine art nude. And then you have such a like reverence for classical art. I mean, most classical art is like nude art. And I mean, there's a lot of also religious art (laughs) that's not nude, Um, but, (laughs) um, but a lot of classical art is nude and like sculpture, especially in the Renaissance era. And Mm -hmm. I just think it's like such a beautiful callback. And like, when I think of those paintings too, they're, they're not sexualized really. I mean, there are some like later impressionist stuff that's a little more, uh, but like, those classicals, like just the Venuses and stuff, they're really not sexualized at all. They're just like a celebration of the human form. I remember like my grandma was an artist and she was very into taking me to art museums. And um, I remember being like a little kid, like seven or something and being like, they're all naked, grandma. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like, I don't think I should be seeing this. And um, she was like, it's okay. Like, this is a celebration of, uh, like, yeah, she, she said something very similar to me to what you said. Like, the human body is the most beautiful thing. It's okay. And then it's, like, funny because now I am a boudoir photographer as well. So, it's to me, it's just, like, a very interesting thing that, like, as a culture, we sexualize things so much. Like, we sexualize nudity. But it's not necessarily a sexualized thing. So, like, right. when you approach your art and you talk to clients, like, do you ever get people who are, are wanting a sexy image? Or do they just see your work and you're saying, like, you know, this is not really about that? Or how do you, like, broach those conversations? Um, I have yet to encounter that. Um, but then again, like I have said, I have, there's... I haven't done much uh, in in the re- my recent history, but no, that is a conversation that that always needs to be had because everybody has to understand the expectations. Communication is everything. Communication is what makes these things run, and so uh, we'll always talk about that. And that nothing that I want to produce will will ever be sexualized because one, we have enough of that, in my opinion. Uh, two. It's to show not only the people who may view my work, but more importantly, the person who I am working with and for, that you are more than your sexuality. You are more than just something to look at. That if you, if, if it, when it's done right, a nude image can speak volumes about a person in ways that nothing else can. And that is where we come in as as artists is in being able to do that. And so having that conversation um, is imperative. Um, awesome. I, I love that answer. I'm like processing it in my, in my brain because it's just honestly such like a beautiful take on things. I feel like um, having, you know, been a boudoir photographer for a long time and just seeing so many different sides of the industry and so many different types of nude imagery. It's actually really refreshing to see someone who's like doing true fine art nude that is not coming from that space. And I feel like um, it's like, yeah, we wouldn't define your work as even boudoir. You know what I mean? But I did notice you do use the term on your website. So how do you also like, is that just for Google search purposes or... Um, actually, and, and even that, even that is, is in a, a state of change, uh, for me because my approach to boudoir is actually changing and because of how I, I view it, um, you know, boudoir and I am friends with some fabulous boudoir photographers. One of, you know, uh, one of which is actually in, in this room, my, my dear Kiati, um, and who's a great photographer, for those who aren't following him, please do yourself that favor and follow him. Um, but a lot of the, the boudoir photography um, just doesn't hold a whole lot of interest for me when it comes to creating. But I'm starting my idea, and what I want to do is to take it back to really what the boudoir was for a woman and it was not something that was sexualized it actually had nothing to do with it at all it was a place of repose it was a place of quiet a place for her to go and gather her 
gathered herself before she either went into her bedroom or she came out into a foyer to entertain her guests. It was a place of preparation. And so that in and of itself, you know, gives way to that that place of intimacy because it belonged to her and only particular individuals were allowed into, into her boudoir. And so that right there lets you know this was something that was uh, protected. It was something special. And so to be able to tell that story, again, for me, fine art, all about story. And so if we're talking boudoir, from my perspective, it's going to be about telling that story of, okay, I'm only allowing a certain person or certain people to see that part of me, that depth to me. And so to be able to, so it could be, you know, furnished and you have particular things uh, inside this boudoir that tell something about that person that they don't tell to everybody else. And so for me, that is what boudoir uh, will, you know, will mean to me going forward. Mm. That is really, that is like a really deep and beautiful answer. So, you know, um, no, I, I was going to bring up that I was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm aware of the, the concept of boudoir as phot- uh, genre of photography, but as Joshua was saying, I was like, there's a history behind it and there's a, an original uh, style of art form that you know, never really clicked for me. Like, oh, there is something before that, before it became what a lot of people currently see it as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, and again, this is just this is just me, and this is who I am as as an artist. The how I think about something, what I believe about it, or the history that is behind it. These are the things that often drive me when I am creating something or I'm, or I'm sitting down with someone to plan out a project and I'm trying to bring a lot of things to bear where, uh, because like some of my favorite artists, either modern or historical, they, when you're familiar with their work, you know that you have to pay attention to every single detail on that canvas or within that frame, because it was put there for a purpose why are they posed at the angle that they're posed? Why is this prop sitting in this direction? Why is it this material, that color? It was all done for a reason to tell a story. And it, but in our fast-paced world of social media, and we've been so conditioned to just look at an image for two seconds and then move on to the next, we never stop, look, and think about what it is we're looking at any, anymore. And so I want for people who become familiar with my work to know that if they're looking at something that I've created, anything you see in that frame, there's a very specific reason. Ask the question. That's so very interesting. I, you know, as you say, social media, we the attention span that we all have as a society at the moment, uh, never stop to think. You look at a painting, this was created by someone. Every single brush stroke is there for a reason and be, the the artist that was creating it put it there for a reason so to mm-hmm. translate that information that idea that concept to photography and to the level of detail that you're talking about is amazing and something i think you know a lot of photographers probably aren't taking into consideration when they create their own artwork um 
you know, it's that's definitely a possibility. But I think um, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Whereas in photography, like any other profession, you know, we you know there are levels to it. You know, you have you have we have people in our industry where their primary concern and goal is their their income. And rightly so. They want to, you know, put a roof over their head. They want to have food on the table. And this is how they're going to go about doing it. And they make it happen. Please do that. But then you also have another subset where it is more of the artistic side. And it has less to do with having X amount of clients or producing, you know, X amount of money. Um, And they just want to produce the best possible artwork. And there are individuals, I think very few and far between, who are able to marry the two. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, but yeah, so like I said, there's there's levels to just about in everything that we do. Yeah, what you just said, actually, you like took kind of a question. You answered a question that I was formulating in my head, which is like just the conflict of the commerce side of having a photography studio or business with the... I guess, time-intensive, thought-intensive that it would take to create these types of work that you're speaking of because they're sort of in, I don't want to say they're in direct conflict with each other, but if you're talking about running a per, like super profitable machine kind of business that's clockwork, you know, you have the full calendar, it's not what you're talking about. I don't want to say it's like slow food versus fast food because I, I think there's so many photographers who have really profitable businesses and are creating beautiful work for their Absolutely. clients. And I would probably put myself in that category if I can. <laughs> but um, but I know that like, I do feel like I take the time to get to know my clients, but the intentionality level that you're talking about with really creating a story, I wouldn't say that that's in in my work or at least in my client work um and it just got me really thinking about like not to get too deep but like capitalism and motivations and (laughs) why are we here on earth (laughs) (laughs) well you know um it is it's important that you know that we be able to take care of ourselves to again provide for our our livelihood and of course that's only you know multiplied when you have a family to take care of you know Mm -hmm. so you know all of these things are valid reasons to do a lot of the things that that we do um i just i happen to be in a position right now where i can focus on primarily the artistic side rather than the commerce side and so i'm you know i'm just in that position that may change going down the road we never know Um, but also um, as my wife would be able to to attest, my my passion is driven by where what I believe the artist means to humanity in general. And I think Kevin and I were touching on this prior to the to the room opening. And um, you know, just th- it's why I love doing what I do is because I think we as artists, and you can, and that word art or artist is inclusive beyond photography. So when we're talking about music, we're talking about painting, we're talking about uh, sculpting. We as artists and the role that we play to humanity is an essential uh, thing that we will never be able to get get rid of. What we provide to each other, we speak the language of the soul. 
it's, it's, it's funny because you can, case in point, saying, saying something so simple as, I love you, right? That's okay, great. I've heard that before. Now you put that to a tune and you give it to someone who has incredibly powerful vocal and that can put you on the floor feeling more emotion than you've ever felt. Just those three words. But now mm-hmm. I've just put them in a different context. And again, it's the role of the artist. When you have a great painter, a great photographer who creates and crafts something beautiful, it'll make you stop in your tracks and wonder and think and and really look at yourself or the world around you and make you ask questions. We comment on the world around us through the work that we produce. We we speak certain things that other people don't know how to say, but they know it's there. But when we capture it in front of our in front of our lens, we're able to put words to something so deep that they've never been able to get to. So these are the things that drive me, that motivate me, because everybody has that story, and it's just what I want to tell. I love that. Um, do you feel it? it going a little bit deeper into that, that anyone who considers themselves an artist has a responsibility to create their own artwork. Yes, absolutely. It, it, otherwise, why do you call yourself an artist? If you're going to be the absolute best that you can be, it, and, and again, it may not be, like not everybody is, is Rembrandt. Not everybody is Shakespeare, and, and rightly so. Otherwise, we wouldn't appreciate Rembrandt or Shakespeare. But there were contemporaries to Rembrandt. There were contemporaries to Rubens and to Bouguereau that contributed to the overall story, but they had to be the very best in the top of their game and invest everything that they c- could in their craft. And if you are an artist, if you call yourself an artist or you're pursuing that life, then you owe it to yourself and more importantly, to your contemporaries to pursue the excellence of your craft. Do you believe then that, because there, there could be a lot of limiting aspects in life now with the quote unquote rat race of everything at all that people might not be able to, to get to that as much as they might like. As you say, we with the commerce aspect of photography, you kind of sometimes can't. So how do you feel that people should balance that? That, it, this as in all things, context is king. You know, and sometimes it's going to be out of balance. Sometimes it is going to be, the majority of it is going to be commerce because you might just need to keep your head above water for a little while. And that's understandable. But then there's going to come those other times when it's going to start to, it may start to even itself out. And it may take time, a lot longer than what we thought, than what you might think it will. You know, we all have a plan. Like everybody started, you know, 2022 off uh, with a plan. Okay. Well, on 2 January, something happened and that plan got changed. And we all, <laughs> and we, you know, and we always have to roll with that. You know, life has a vote in, in what we do. You know, we can make all the plans we want in the world, but eventually life is going to come along and say, hey, I've got different ideas and we just roll with that. And so I couldn't really just tell a person, hey, well, you need to do more of this. It, it really is driven by the context uh, of that person. And you may not get to it all, but you are in control of giving everything you have in the moment that you're in. Mm. 
do you feel like in this conversation, I'm really like picking up on like thoughts of like, there's that book, The Agony and the Ecstasy um, about like Michelangelo's six, Sistine Chapel kind of stuff. Like, um, like, do you believe that artists like in a way are always facing like this dichotomy of like agony over like struggling to make it happen for themselves, whether it's financially or just struggling to get to that next level of quality of their work. And then like that ecstasy of like having created it and have seeing it out in the world. Like, do you feel like we're all kind of like stuck in this (laughs) weird up and down cycle of life when you choose an artist's life? I think I think in any in any aspect, but yes, definitely as an artist, when you are pursuing excellence, you're always going to do that. There's always going to be the valleys. There's always going to be the mountaintops. And that goes across every line. It doesn't matter what we're talking about because you're never, you're never satisfied because you, you want to push and get higher. And so the agony comes with, I made it to this mountaintop. Now I have to walk down and hit the valley. And there's that agony. But however, to get to the next mountaintop, that next level of ecstasy, I have to go through this valley. And then I have to climb up that mountaintop because I'm not satisfied with where I've been. I'm looking to where I need to go. So if you're constantly pursuing excellence as an artist, as a father, as a friend, as whatever, you're, you're always going to wrestle with that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's G. laughs> it makes me wonder though, is there ever anything wrong never searching for the mountains, never searching for the valleys and just looking for, you know, the plains to walk on, you know? No, there's absolutely nothing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There, there isn't what the, the only time it becomes, I would say wrong is if you have, made some sort of uh, statement that you're going to pursue a level of excellence. Well, because if you're going to pursue it, then you need to expect this because there's a, there's a price for everything in life, no matter what. And if you, you have to count the cost. So if you want to just sit back, relax and enjoy those beautiful plains, or you want to enjoy that rolling water, by all means, please do that. More than likely you've earned it. So there's absolutely nothing inherently wrong with it. It's when you flip that switch and say, well, but I want to be this. Well, understand, there's a cost to being whatever it is you just said you want to be. And if you don't check your pockets and see if they're deep enough to pay that cost, then you then you really, then you're missing it. Wow. <laughs> Kevin and I are speechless. <laughs> like, this was, uh, you know, I originally was like, okay, we're going to be talking, you know, about canvases and we're going to be talking about, <laughs> talking about, uh, you know, I never expected to go down the path of life and, and you know, how we, we should handle it. <laughs> so, no, this is, this is fantastic. Um, I did want to pivot... I'm, I'm like breathing heavy. <laughs> um, wanted to bring it to a little bit towards the discussion of because I had wanted to hit the backdrop discussion mm-hmm. with your uh, um, you and your wife running yours or her running the studio for um, your, your fine art. Yes, thank you. Fine art backdrops. So to pivot a little bit away from the the grandiose Absolutely. of life. Absolutely. <laughs> um, 
And wait, can sorry, can I interrupt? Because we did have like a question that literally just came in from the chat that is a little bit still relevant to what we were just oh, talking sure. Go about. Ahead. Sorry. Um now that I guess like now that this chat feature is more robust, people don't want to like talk, but they want to ask questions. <laughs> no, that's so, fine. That's fine. How, however, you guys want to ask your questions is great. Um so Lucia Griffin is asking, um, can I ask what are the questions you ask your client? that help you propose a certain look for them? Do you have a few standard ones that you always ask? So I feel like this is like, how are you getting into these deep conversations with people? Do you have like a starting entry point that you go in with people before you go deep or? Um, no, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I really don't. Uh, the conversations really are often organic. But if, you know, if I were having this conversation right now, you know, I would just ask, one, what drew them to my work? You know, what is it that brought you to even approach me in the first place? You know, what was there something that you saw that spoke to you? Okay, why? What, 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 what was it, you know, specifically? And then I'm listening to everything that you're saying, and then I'm going to just ask further questions. Because the more questions I ask and just keep that person talking about themselves, uh, the more information I get to, I get to gather, which only adds more questions. It's just, it's just being, you know, adaptable to that individual and being able to ask uh, questions. So just have conversations. You know, you sit down with somebody, have a cup of coffee, and they'll tell you exactly why they why they came to you because it, you know people are going to come across your work they come across my work if they like it i'm going to be asking them you know why you know what was it about my work that drew you you know to it okay well that's going to give me insight on the type of story you possibly want me to tell for you and then we'll go down that rabbit hole um how can we tell that that story best what has gone on in your life that can lend uh, to this particular chapter. What can we talk about? Let's let's get into the to the nitty gritty. I hope and, that is of some help. Yeah, no, and I was gonna say, like, I feel like just our talk at WPPI, which was brief and in a very loud trade show hall, and talking to you today, like, it's also very clear to me that you're a person that goes deep with people quick, but not in any kind of like forced way. But that's just like your the beauty of you and your your genuine nature and I don't know if that's just the way you were born or if you fostered it over time <laughs> um, but I feel like you know some people can do that with more ease than than others but ultimately like yeah like you said if you can just ask what drew someone to your work and just start asking listening like really listening and asking follow-up questions that will always help someone connect with their client so I hope that helps Lucia and anyone else out there listening. And and one of the things I was going to point out is, um, as you said, Ashley, it, it feel just by having this conversation, I can feel already that having a discussion with you, it can be very, you know, right off the bat can get to vulnerable, but still very relaxed and, and comfortable. Um, which makes me wonder if, and likely is the answer why you as a male might be able to pull this off as a fine art photographer to do nude work in front of people. Um, but I did want to ask you in that line of questioning, has that ever been an issue um, to get someone comfortable being that, you know, 
doing nude work as a male? Uh, so far, no. Um, but I think that has more to do with quantity and the fact that there haven't been very many that I've worked with. So uh, the, uh, the pool to draw from isn't, isn't that large. But I, I will say that it's also just, you know, one, never taking it as a personal slight if a person isn't comfortable, you know, with working with a male photographer. I perfectly understand that. You know, that, that makes sense. But also just showing an individual that no matter what, they are the ones who are being, you know, respected. They are the ones who are being uh, made to feel safe and have, being able to have that type of um, even instant rapport with someone has, has always been helpful. Um, some people have, you know, people will have questions. And I've had, you know, some women, whether it was during a maternity shoot or a fine art nude shoot, they, you know, they would, they would have questions and I'm going to, you know, answer them as, as honestly as I, as I can and put, alleviate any type of fears that that person may have just, and as long as I'm being straightforward and honest with, with an individual, people can see that and they'll understand that. And that helps. It goes a long way into uh, easing their, their fears and worries. Yeah, and I remember, um, like, Sue Bryce did a men's workshop, which is available in the Portrait System Education to rewatch. And um, that was a lot of that focused on, like, how you can be a man and run, you know, a portrait studio, but particularly uh, particularly a portrait studio that uh, focuses on serving women, whether that's nude or in, you know, any kind of outfit. But um, I think it like one thing that I really took away from that was like, we don't need to vilify men, first of all. And if you're a man that shows up and like you, like clearly cares, listens, asks the right questions, is vulnerable with the client, like why wouldn't you hire someone who's super talented like that? Like there's like, you know, there's the fear is like around someone being predatory, but mm-hmm. you, you can, when you have a conversation with someone, you can really sense who they are. You know, I guess some people are like master manipulators, but I would say like when you have a real conversation with someone, you, you can see their heart and you can see their why. And so the question really is for like men who want to do this work. It's like, why do you want to do it? And can you explain that? And I feel like you explain it so beautifully in terms of, um, you know, your art background and your interests and how you want to tell people's stories. So I don't know if that makes sense, but. <laughs> no, I, I, and I, I appreciate, you know, you saying that it actually reminded me of something. And it's that um, I have found that very often we never, many people never stop to think about, think about why they think the way they do. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all have our opinions and we all have, you know, the things that we love, but very Rarely do we just sit down and literally contemplate, okay, why do I love doing this? What, what motivates me? What is my, because that's how you're able to articulate that is by asking yourself that question and constantly asking yourself that question. It's the only reason why I'm able to have the conversations I have right now or to be able to articulate uh, my mind in the way that I do is because I'm asking myself that question all the time so that when I am asked, I can give you that, that answer. And it's going to be deep because I've thought it through. Yeah. Um, so 
I don't mean to, because that was such an amazing answer, and I don't mean to cut it off, but we do have one more question in the chat. The chat is popping, um, and it's a little off topic, but it is, what is your favorite shoot that you've done so far for a client, and why? So if you have, like, a particular story. Um, so it actually wasn't uh, for, well, I mean, if I would say for a client, though technically this person wasn't a client because she used her family discount. Um, <laughs> That's it, okay. <laughs> it, was, um, it, was a, it was a shoot I did for my big sister. Um, and it is up on my, up on my website. Uh, you know, you'd be able to see it there. But she was going through some things in her life at the time. And as my way of, you know, consoling her, of being there for her, of strengthening her, I, you know, flew her out because she was living in Alaska at the time. I flew her out to, uh, to my wife and I, and we set her up in the studio and I was able to produce a fine, a fine art nude boudoir shoot for my, for my big sister who, um, you know, there we have history, you know, the two of us where she and I went through some incredibly traumatic experiences to, and all we had in the world at the time were each other. Mm. And that built a bond for us that will never go away. And so I'm, I'm the youngest of four and my strongest bond is with, is with her. And, you know, when I've struggled with, with certain things from a, especially from a mental health aspect, you know, she was there. Uh, for me as well. And so to be able to produce that for her was after everything that she had been going through and then to hear back from her and she tell me what that did for her, how that strengthened her, how that was breathing life back into her again, that she could get up and push forward, you know, and even carrying her children and taking, you know, taking on the world at the time. That meant, that meant everything for me to be able to do that for my big sister. I love that. I'm like about to cry. That's really beautiful. Um, and I feel like now it's sad because we're almost at the one hour mark, Kevin. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I was as he's talking, I'm like looking at his website. I'm like, oh, I think this is it the leather jacket one. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, like you know, it's yeah. such a beautiful story. To, and you know what we as photographers can do to really change the way people feel and really influence that um just to you know just what it can mean to someone else's life so that's that's beautiful um but as ashley said uh we have hit the one hour mark uh but before we let you go we always want to be sure that um people share their social media with us and where people can find you online uh, yeah. So, uh, as far as Instagram goes, I think for anybody who's interested, you'll be able to find it in my, in my profile. Um, and, uh, which is JDS underscore fine art portraits. Um, and then my website, which is fineartportraits.org. And yeah, those are the two places where I'm, I'm usually at and you could find my, find me or my work. And we didn't get to talk to you about the backdrops or talk to Ashley today. So I'm feeling like there's going to have to be a part two where we get Ashley on to talk about the backdrops. Right, Kevin? So Of course. Yeah, that's definitely. I'm super she, interested in that as well. She, yeah, she would be well worth well worth the time. I'll, t- I'll tell you that. But yeah, <laughs> fineartbackdrops.com 
is is her website. And as I said, for those, if you ever see any of my work and you see a, a canvas backdrop, that's her. So <laughs> yeah, awesome. you guys are a power couple for sure. So we definitely have to have her on as well. <laughs> Jot that one down, actually. Yes. <laughs> it's on the list. So everyone, everyone, please be sure to go follow Joshua. Uh, and everyone, please be sure to follow the portrait system on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Uh, also, be sure to check out our blog posts that are associated with our clubhouse interviews at suebriceeducation.com forward slash blog. Uh, you can follow Ashley on Instagram at Ashley Taylor Portrait. That is A S H L E I G H, and you can f- uh, find me there as Poplight underscore Photography. If you are a member of the Portrait System uh, and you have any more questions, uh, go ahead and ask on the Portrait System members only Facebook group, and we can get that uh, from Josh. And if you are not a member of the Portrait System and you are interested in learning more about how it can help your business succeed, reach out to Ella on our support team by emailing support at suebriceeducation.com. Thank you again for joining us, and we hope you can join us next week. Thanks again for listening today, and don't forget you can listen to either me or our special guests every Friday on Clubhouse at 11 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge, plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.